Yo, what's good, man? We back. Episode 5, Ballin' with Tyler Todd. Thank you for listening in. Before I get this episode going, I want to give a quick shout-out to my sponsor for this video, Daniel Miller. Thanks for supporting the podcast, man. Keep listening, and I appreciate your support through this endeavor. You keep doing you, brother. Jumping right back into baseball, we have another edition of MLB Spring Trading Breakdown. Woo! Let's go! This time, we're doing the Grapefruit League. Starting the rodeo off with the Houston Astros, who finished second in the AL West with a record of 29-31. Their star player, Alex Bregman, two-time All-Star, Silver Slugger, and World Series champ, is the current third baseman for the Houston Astros. He has a knack for hitting the long ball, 41 homers in 2019, and 31 the year before. In 2020, he had the second highest fielding percentage of all American League third basemen with .979. A steady part of his game is his ability to get on base. His career on-base percentage is 381 and career batting average is 283. Bergman will continue to improve on his young career. My only gripe with him, and it's a big one, is that he was a part of the Houston Astros team that was caught cheating for stealing signs with the help of technological advances in 2017 and 18. Even though I'm not a Dodgers fan and I'm not an Astros fan either, but I don't think it's fair that what they got for their penalty was something as little as, oh, you know, some guys are suspended, but hey, they're still able to play. And then, if you look at the 2017 World Series, they stole the World Series away from the Dodgers. And I hate the Dodgers. But there's no room for cheating in baseball, or in that regard, there's no cheating anywhere. So I feel bad for the Dodgers. I feel bad for any really team that had to go against them because you knew they were cheating the whole time. And when all this came out, the MLB commissioner just kind of gave them a small pardon and it was the biggest thing and it was just stupid, dude. Some players spoke out about it like, really, that's the punishment you're going to give them for cheating for two years, stealing away a World Series title away from a professional organization? I don't know. doesn't sit well with me, but regardless of him doing that and the team participating in that, he is still a very good baseball player. My verdict of him, quality third baseman. Flying up north to Minneapolis, we have the Minnesota Twins who finished first in the American League Central with a record of 36-24. and 24. Their star player, Byron Buxton, is this dude is sick, man. He's so rad. He has an amazing glove in the outfield, and he makes for the perfect defender in center field. Even though he has only two years total of hitting over 250 and never reached an on-base percentage over 350, I still think he is on the rise as a player. He is one of the most decorated speedsters in the league and is regarded as the most talented player coming out of his draft, which was 2012. Buxton still has a way to climb, but he will eventually get over that hump of having a weak bat and begin to crush it. This one was hard to pick because the Twins have a really good roster and there were some other guys that I wanted to pick from, but I think Buxton has a really good ceiling and that's why I decided to go with him instead of the other guys. My verdict to him, legit defense speed combo. Taking a boat trip to Detroit, we land in Ann Arbor where the Detroit Tigers resign. They finished last in the American League Central with a record of 23-35. Their star player, Jonathan Scoop, it was hard to even pick a star player on this team because his team is so crap. But anyway, it is hard to talk about the Detroit Tigers as they have been one of the worst teams in the MLB for the past four years. They have not had a winning season since 2016 where they finished with 85 wins. 64 wins in 2017, 64 in 2018, 47 in 2019, and 23 in 2020. 
in which they finished last each time in the division except once. Holy crap, dude. Not good. Also, the team is desperate for talent, and they drafted Spencer Torkelson last year out of Arizona State first overall in hopes that he can help turn the franchise around when he gets the call to the MLB. For now, they turn their eyes to all-star second baseman Jonathan Scoop. Playing for four different teams in his career, he had success with the Orioles in 2017, where he averaged a 293, 32 home runs, 105 RBIs on 182 hits. He has a career slugging average of 450, which is considered good in the MLB. My verdict to him, veteran journeyman. Down in the Midwest, we have the St. Louis Cardinals, who finished second in the National League Central with a record of 30-28. and 28. Their star player, Nolan Arenado, who is, this is a bad man. He is so freaking good. Five-time All-Star, eight-time Gold Glover, four-time Silver Slugger, four-time Platinum Glove Award, three-time NL Home Run Leader, two-time NL RBI Leader, is now in St. Louis. Holy crap, it's insane, dude, that they were able to get him. Spending the first part of his career in Colorado, Rockies fans were able to witness an absolute stud known for his amazing godlike defense at third. His power and contact also stands out. In 2015, he averaged 287 and hit 42 homers and had 130 RBIs. 2016, he would replicate that, but even a better season. 294 average, 41 homers, and 133 RBIs. Okay gets better 2017 he averages 309 37 homers and 130 rbis this guy's just duplicating 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 every season bro 2018 he averaged 297 38 homers and 110 rbis and then drops a bombshell in 2019 averaged 315 41 homers and 118 rbis This dude is freaking insane. One of the most exciting players to watch in the MLB, the Cardinals are lucky to have him on an already stacked roster. My verdict of him, star third baseman. Heading to Georgia, we have the Atlanta Braves who finished first in the NL East with a record of 35-25. Their star player, Ronald Acuna Jr., is next up, man. He's so freaking gifted. It's unbelievable. Just like Fernando Tatis, Acuna is one of the rising stars in the league at the age of 23. The two-time Silver Slugger, NL Rookie of the Year, All-Star in 2019, NL Stolen Bases Leader, and member of the 30-30 Club, he is ready to tear it up in 2021. He possesses a rare combo of power and speed, making him elite in center field. Even though it's hard to tell stats when there has been only three years of playing from him, He is a guaranteed power hitter, 41 homers in 2019, and he's also an exceptional base stealer, 31 stolen bases in 2019. My verdict of him, young elite star. Soaking up more of that southern sun, we head to Tampa Bay where we have the Rays, who finished first in the AL East with a record of 40-20. and This was the runner-up for the World Series this past season. Their star player, Randy Rosarena, The star of the American League Conference Series where he took home the MVP, Randy is another young player that burst onto the scene during the 2020 COVID season. He broke all kinds of rookie playoff records, including the all-time home run record in a single postseason, 
won ALCS MVP, which was the first ever done by a rookie position player, and the most hits in a single postseason. Only 25, he looks to build on an impressive rookie resume. My verdict of him, flashy newcomer. Staying local, we have the Miami Marlins, who finished second in the NL East with a record of 31-29. and Their star player, Corey Dickerson, is a solid veteran presence on a Miami Marlins roster that could shake up the NL East this upcoming season. Dickerson is a gold glover and an all-star. Having a really good bat for contact, he has a career average of 284 and has brought some pretty good averages of 312, 304 twice, and 300 in his career. Dickerson may be 31, but he's still productive nonetheless. My verdict of him, veteran presence. Taking a short detour in Maryland, the Baltimore Orioles finished fourth in the American League East with a record of 25-35. and 35. Their star player, Trey Mancini, is going to be the number one guy in this team's current state. Mancini is a strong right fielder who also has spent time at first base. Personally, I think he got snubbed from an all-star selection in 2019. He averaged 291 and had 35 homers and 97 RBIs to go along with it. Out all of 2020 due to injury, Mancini is ready to make a comeback in 2021. My verdict of him, solid right fielder. Visiting Ben Franklin land, the Pittsburgh Pirates finished last in the NL Central with a record of 19-41 and an MOB worse record. Their star player is Adam Frazier. Another franchise, like the Orioles and Tigers, the Pirates are looking for players to step up into the spotlight. Adam Frazier can potentially be that guy. An all-around solid player, Frazier has spent his whole career with the Pirates. Finishing twice in the gold glove running, but never taking home the award, he will give you some run help, little bit of power, and veteran leadership. He has a steady career average of 273. My verdict of him, Pittsburgh Pirate of the future. Not leaving Pennsylvania just yet, the Philadelphia Phillies finished third in the National League East with a record of 28-32. Their star player, JT Realmuto, the two-time All-Star, two-time Silver Slugger, and Gold Glove Award winner just re-signed with the Phillies this offseason on a five-year, $115.5 million contract. He got the bag, dude. What he brings to the table is his amazing defensive presence, which includes his arm, reaction time, and the ability to call the game for his pitchers. 2019 is his best year, where he averaged 275 and bashed 25 homers and 83 RBIs. JT was also a part of that Miami Marlins roster that I spoke on Tuesday that included Giancarlo Stanton, Marcelo Zunia, and Christian Yelich. That is four All-Stars the Marlins had at one point, and they dealt them all away. Yikes, man. My verdict on JT, star catcher. Road trip into the Big Apple. The New York Yankees finished second in the American League East with a record of 33-27. Their star player, Gleber Torres, is part of an amazing young group of players who are looking to be on top of their American League East. Torres had his best year in 2019, where he averaged 278, 38 homers, and 90 RBIs and posted a 535 slugging. It is scary to see him play alongside MVP Giancarlo Stanton, AL Rookie of the Year in 2017 Aaron Judge, 
catcher Gary Sanchez, and solid sidekicks in Luke Voigt and Gio Urshela. This Yankees team is built to win this year and many more years to come. My verdict of him, spearhead of the young core. Moving across town, we have the New York Mets who finished last in the National League East with a record of 26-34. Their star player is Francisco Lindor. The Mets were lucky to nab arguably the best shortstop in baseball this offseason, and he is going to prove why he is at that top spot. The four-time All-Star, two-time Gold Glover, and two-time Silver Slugger has had huge success since getting the call-up to the Indians in 2015. He has a career slugging of 488 and a career average of 285. Extremely productive in the long ball category, he is also very reliable on the base path and on defense. He is one of five players in this league who possesses the five-tool regiment. The Mets now jump to World Series contenders with his help. My verdict of him, five-tool star. Continuing further north, the Boston Red Sox finished last in the American League East with a record of 24-36. Their star player is Xander Bogarts. For a Boston team that won the World Series in 2018, they seem to have lost some of their luster since then. Losing Benintendi this offseason to the Royals, Mitch Moreland to the Padres last year, and Mookie Betts to the Dodgers last year. Those were some key components to a team that won over 100 games in 2018. The team now consists of veteran bomber JT Martinez, youngsters Rafael Devers, Michael Chavis, Alex Verdugo, and the player highlighted on this list, Xander Bogarts. The two-time All-Star, three-time Silver Slugger, and two-time Champ is the best player on this Red Sox roster. Xander's best year came in 2019 where he averaged 309 and he crushed 33 homers and 117 RBIs. Dude had a big year, bro. Even his COVID year was solid, batting 300 and mixing 11 home runs and 28 RBIs through 56 games. My verdict of him, face of the franchise. Flying to the six, we have the Toronto Blue Jays who finished third in the American League East with a record of 32-28. and 28. Their star player is Vlad Guerrero Jr. The son of former nine-time All-Star, eight-time Silver Slugger is ready to make a huge impact this 2021 season. Already getting huge buzz for being related to Vlad Sr., Vlad Jr. is just like his dad. Has a huge bat, but has only had two years under his belt, unfortunately. He set multiple home run derby records in 2019, where he became the youngest player to participate and has the record for most home runs in a round with 29. And his average exit velocity was 104.8 miles per hour. Absolute just missiles coming off that bat, dude. Insane. Like many other young Dominican, Venezuelan, Puerto Rican players currently in the league, his ceiling is extremely large. This Blue Jays team is so stacked with young talent, it's insane. I'm excited to see what they can accomplish in the next five years. My verdict of Vlad Jr., productive with power. Rounding out our trip to the nation's capital, the Washington Nationals finished fourth in the NL East with a record of 26-34. Their star player is Juan Soto. The most exciting young prospect out of all the ones I've mentioned Juan Soto is ready to take the league by storm in 2021. Only 22, Soto proved to be the answer for the Nationals when Bryce Harper upped and left for Philadelphia in 2018. Another big athletic outfielder, Soto has that spunk and spark you want out of a young player. In 2020, 
He took home a Silver Slugger Award, all MLB first team, and the NL Batting Champion honors. He finished 2020 with a 351 average, 13 home runs, and 37 RBIs. In the Nationals World Series Championship year, Soto hit 34 home runs, 110 RBIs on a 282 average. Watching that World Series, he was the most exciting player. Even though it's only been three years, he has a career slugging of 557 and has had a slugging percentage over 500 in each season with the Nationals. Soto will be a National for life. My verdict of him, franchise star player. And that is all we got for the Grapefruit League. Pitchers and catchers have reported for spring training. Be on the lookout for all 30 players I have mentioned. I think the AL East and the NL East are the two most competitive divisions. And the biggest rivalry this year is going to be the LA Dodgers and the San Diego Padres. I can bet money on that. Segwaying into NBA, let's talk Andre Drummond, man. Nearing the trade deadline for NBA, Andre Drummond has been one of the most talked about commodities of 2021. An old-school center, known for his ability to snag offensive rebounds and produce a double-double each night, the star center may be shipped out of Cleveland before the deadline. Here are some teams who are in talks to trade for him. The first team on the list is the Miami Heat. Their current center is Bam Adebayo. Currently the 11th seed in the East, this signing may be a long-term plan for Drummond. Adebayo has been their starter for the past few years now and has produced very well in that role. Drummond and Adebayo would be a nasty one-two combo. If they're able to get the money or transfer players somehow, Drummond and Adebayo on the same team would be really nasty. The second team on the list is the LA Lakers. Their current center is Marc Gasol. Gasol is talented, but his days are behind him now. The veteran center is now 36 and hasn't been producing like he used to. I'm still a huge fan of him, don't get me wrong, don't be upset, Steven, (laughs) but he would do nice playing off of the bench. That is now his role as an aging veteran, and I think that would be okay. He would would be fine accepting that role. Now, Drummond to the Lakers is, is interesting because he would make a nasty combo, like I mentioned with the Heat combo, but the Lakers currently have Anthony Davis, and then if they sign Drummond, that's two young guys right there for your core team going into the future after LeBron leaves. That's two guys that are in their late 20s, not 30s, and are going to be in L.A. under contract for a while. So I think the L.A. Lakers should make a splash, dude. If if they want to see more productive parts out of their offense and especially in their center position, they should go for it. Third team on the list is the Milwaukee Bucks. Their current center is Brooke Lopez. This would... Also be a nice fit for a Milwaukee team that is very physical and likes to get buckets around the rim. Brooke Lopez is no scrub, though. A 7-footer who can hit threes at a decent rate, has a sweet mid-range game, and is good around the post. If they are able to sign Drummond, the Bucs will now be the top team in the East, in my opinion. Even though they're the third seed and Philly sits at the first seed, Milwaukee's taking it. I think if you just add that type of depth at that position considering Brooke Lopez has already been an all-star, and then adding Drummond to that team, it's only going to make them 50,000 times better. Fourth team on the list is the Toronto Raptors. Their current center is Aaron Baines. A team that won the NBA title two years ago have struggled to get back to their original form. Star power forward Pascal Siakam, point guard Fred Van Fleet, and longtime veteran point guard Raptor Kyle Lowry need some help at the starting center position. Aaron Baines is solid, another defensive-minded center with little offense, though. Baines would serve well off the bench. That is where he will excel. Personally, I think that's where he should stay. 
The Raptors would be smart to nab Drummond, but if they do, they won't have enough money to take up his contract, which is a big problem. Some guys may be getting the boot here if Drummond becomes a Raptor, but I think Toronto should take that chance because they're another young, emerging team in the East that has talent to be successful in an Eastern Conference that isn't very good. So, Raptors, make some moves, man. The fifth team on the list is the Boston Celtics. They don't run a center position in their lineup, but if they did, it would be Tristan Thompson, who currently plays power forward, but played center his whole career. Thompson, a lot like Andre Drummond, excels at the offensive rebound game. Drummond and Thompson also have very similar play styles, but Drummond is more athletic and proficient. They could do a swap of these two players, sending Tristan back to Cleveland, where he spent his first nine years of his career. The Celtics are trying to make a push into the playoffs as they sit at the fifth seed right now in the Eastern Conference. Drummond will help take the Celtics to another dimension, and I think he will he will make them stay steady at that fifth seed and could go up a little bit higher, maybe to fourth or third. I don't think their championship worthy will hit two or one, but in that range of three to five, even three to six is where they stand comfortable. The sixth team on the list is the New York Knicks. Their current center, Mitchell Robinson, who they lost to injury. This one makes the most sense as the Knicks are trying to build a young team from the ground up. Drummond would fill that starting center spot immediately as the starting center, like I mentioned, Mitchell Robinson, they lost to injury recently. The Knicks have currently the sixth seed in the East, which is astounding considering they have been the laughing stock in the East for the past three or four years. And I mean that. They have been so bad the past three, four years. Absolute trash can. New York should make a push for Drummond no matter the circumstance. They should throw money at him. They should give some picks because New York is dying to have another star to partner up with R.J. Barrett. They need another. They need a combo there because no one's going to Knicks games to watch R.J. Barrett and Julius Randle and other no-name guys put up shots. That's just boring. The seventh team on the list is Charlotte Hornets. Their current center is Cody Zeller. An exciting team to watch that is headlined by LaMelo Ball, Gordon Hayward, Miles Bridges, Malik Monk, and others. Drummond would give an immediate boost to a team that is hovering at that eight-seed position in the East. Cody Zeller has been the starting center since they drafted him back in 2013. He has never really been a standout center, although he is somewhat productive at that spot, and productive to say the least. He would suit well to come off the bench, a lot a lot like these other centers. These guys need to be on the bench more than starting. Drummond starting and Zeller off the bench would be extremely effective. This Hornets team is the most exciting team in the East, in my opinion. If they happen to land Drummond, it will only prove dividends further on the team is looking to make a splash in the playoffs and I feel like they can make it if Drummond gets there they can definitely make a push I'm saying eighth or seventh seed nothing nothing higher than that and the final team on the list at eight the Dallas Mavericks their starting center is Kristaps Porzingis so to me this is the most bizarre and unorthodox situation out of the eight teams as KP is their starting center and I know he's going to be the center of the future for them And he's really good. He's extremely talented. A 7-footer who moves and plays a lot like former Maverick Dirk Nowitzki, it would be hard to find a spot for Drummond on this roster. Willie Cauley-Stein, their center off the bench, is productive in his role, giving the team some solid rebounding and defense to go along with his ability to catch any alley-oop thrown his way. He would be a huge help to the team if they did land him. The Mavericks have been extremely disappointing this year as they are the 10th seed in the Western Conference and have performed poorly to say the least. KP is coming back from injury, so maybe this is why Dallas feels the need to chase another center 
is because he's back in the lineup, though. That's why I don't understand is he's starting. So they're not trying to baby him back from the injury. So I don't know. That doesn't really make sense. But maybe they just aren't fully comfortable with him being in the center role yet, but they should because they traded for him. So I, I don't know. That is all the time we have for Andre Drummond. Do not forget his name. He may be shipped out of Cleveland here shortly before the trade deadline in the NBA. Let's talk NFL and J.J. Watt, man, in this free agency period of 2021. It's going to, woo, there's a lot of guys on the table that can be picked up, and J.J. Watt is the most appealing out of everyone. The three-time defensive player of the year, five-time first-team All-Pro, five-time Pro Bowler, two-time sack leader, and a member of the 100 Sack Club is moving on from the Houston Texans where they drafted him back in 2011 with the 11th pick in the first round. J.J. Watt had become frustrated with the franchise and was tired of players not wanting to put in the work to be successful. He was publicly shown putting out an Instagram clip saying that if you don't want to put in the work, don't be here. We get paid a lot of money to do this. Give it your best every day. And I don't want to be a part of a team that doesn't want to do that every day. So he was very vocal about how he felt with the team. And the Houston Texans, along with him, they dealt away DeAndre Hopkins, Jadavia and Clowney, and many others. He felt that it was time to move on, just as they did. They finished 4-12 and in the AFC South in 2020. Watt has drawn interest from many NFL teams this offseason. Where might he land? Here are some teams that may make a move for Watt. The first team on the list is the Cleveland Browns, who are the most likely landing spot for J.J. Watt. Their current defensive ends are Miles Garrett and Olivier Vernon. Garrett, a lot like Watt's former teammate in Houston, Jadavian Clowney, he is extremely physical and is just a massive dude. If you watch his tape, he's just freaking running over people at full speed. Also, don't take off your helmet near him or don't let him get near your helmet. Everyone who knows him knows what he's capable of. Cleveland makes the most sense for Watt as he is trying to win a championship, and the Browns are ready in all phases to do that. They have a new young quarterback in Baker Mayfield who is throwing passes to star receivers Jarvis Landry and Odell Beckham Jr., who may be on the move this offseason as well. Let's not forget about the running back duo of Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. The offense is extremely stacked beyond belief. The Browns have the money to land Watt, and they have a fan base that is dying to have another player to latch on to. Cleveland has suffered long enough, and I think J.J. will bring that extra spunk to a team that really needs another person to look at. Really, man, they're dying to have that. Defensive end is also Cleveland's biggest draft need, and even though they have Vernon and Garrett, Garrett is the only one to return under contract in 2020 who had five or more sacks this past season. That's There's no productivity outside of him. Vernon has suffered an Achilles injury this past season. He, he also is a free agent. They also ranked 15th in the league with total sacks. The second team on the list, the Tennessee Titans. Their current defensive end is Jack Crawford. The Titans need immediate defensive line help. But outside of that, their linebacking core and their secondary are pretty solid. So if they figure out the defensive line help, it would be really good. And they already have addressed that, signing to David and Clowney, J.J. Watts, old teammate. Now, if he goes to Tennessee, they can play They can play with each other again. He also has ties with current Titans head coach Mike Vrabel, who was his defensive coordinator back in 2017. Their biggest draft need is also defensive end. The third team on the list, the Green Bay Packers. Their current defensive end is Dean Lowry. This one, I think, is the most eye-opening as Rodgers is in the late stage of his career but is still slinging the ball. J.J. Watt 
and Aaron Rodgers and Green Bay. Talk about selling out games every week. My goodness. They have star outside linebackers Darius Smith leading that group and Kenny Clark, who is their beefy nose tackle up front. This would be an unorthodox spot for Watt to land, but it would help Rodgers a lot more as he's still trying to build on that resume of his. Even though he's already won a Super Bowl, Watt's trying to win a Super Bowl, and they're two of the best players in the, currently in the league. The Packers are slowly losing traction, and this would be an immediate upgrade at the defensive end position. Their first biggest draft need is also defensive end, just like the Browns and just like the Titans. So that's three teams so far that are aiming for defensive end help, and this guy is the best on the market. Looking at the fourth team on the list, the Arizona Cardinals. I did this one for you, Danny. Their current defensive ends are Zach Allen and Jordan Hicks. DeAndre Hopkins, former Texan, now Cardinal, posted a picture on Instagram of Watt and him embracing, captioning the photo, Let's finish what we started. Ooh. Could we see a reunion of Watt and Hopkins in Arizona? A long shot, but it would bring a lot of media and attention to a Cardinals team that is looking to break out with their new star quarterback, Kyler Murray. Even though cornerback is a Cardinals' biggest draft need, defensive end is also something the Cardinals should address. They should flirt with the idea of getting Watt, but if not, it won't hurt them all that bad. And the final team on the list, the Pittsburgh Steelers. Their current defensive end is TJ Watt, younger brother of JJ. How awesome would it be to see the two Watt brothers rushing the quarterback from both sides of the field? Crazy. Oh, and let's not forget, the third brother also plays for Pittsburgh. Dude, that's freaking crazy. This Pittsburgh team boasts one of the top front sevens in the NFL, and getting Watt would be pretty cool just for the sake of him playing with his brothers. Even though it's not a top need for them, they should still try and go for Watt regardless of the situation. Whoever lands that man is going to be extremely lucky. And finally, we have the breakdown. Jarvis Juice Landry, the five-time Pro Bowler, NFL receptions leader in 2017, and the most receptions all time through any player's first six seasons in the NFL with 564. Landry has been one of my favorite players to watch in the NFL, and he proves to get better each year. The Miami Dolphins drafted him in the second round with the 63rd pick back in 2014 out of LSU. Being one of the league's top targets, Landry has found much success with being a possession receiver. In seven seasons, he has only gone under 80 catches once and has had three 1,000 receiving yard seasons. A cool stat I found about him, he is the only NFL player to record five or more receptions in all 16 games. Landry has a career average of 14 yards a catch, so he is a threat in the deep game and possession game. Landry is a complete receiver as he can block effectively, play in the slot, play outside, and has the ability to be in the backfield for reverses or run plays. His role, though, has been much different in Cleveland than it was in Miami. The offense used to sorely only flow through Landry in Miami, where he took home three Pro Bowls due to his success in all facets of the game. He has also been a two-time Pro Bowler in Cleveland, but has taken a completely different role than what he was used to in Miami. Odell Beckham Jr. and Nick Chubb are now going to get the majority of the snaps and are the big names on offense, but still, Landry provides that guaranteed catch when you need it. 
He has taken a step back, but I think the 2021 season is going to be a standout year for him as I believe that Odell Beckham Jr. will walk in free agency because his numbers dipped as well when he joined Cleveland. And he likes being Mr. Macho, number one star, drama queen. So that's good for Landry if Odell Beckham does leave. It will give him his old job back, being the number one receiver on this team. This Browns team is fun to watch, and it's nice to see them in contention for winning and hosting the game. We know the Cleveland franchise needs it. Woo! The weekend is upon us. Thank you for tuning in. Just wrapping up the show. We'll have another Teaching Tuesday next week. For now, keep listening to the podcast. Spread the word about the podcast. Follow me on Instagram, Ball with Tyler Todd. Tell your friends. Keep supporting. Keep tuning in each week. I'll see you guys in the next one. Later.